Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome to Theology and Culture Thursdays, a part of Vinny G Live, but I hate calling it Vinny G Live, so I call it Theology and Culture Thursdays. I'm Anthony G. It's in Garvey. All right. Welcome, welcome. welcome. Um, this week, sorry, I'm staying up on the laptop so I can make sure we're getting your questions and stuff. This week, we're doing a question and response time with you guys. So we got some questions. And we want to give some responses. And so the idea here of this week is that uh, if you have any questions about God or about the Bible, we want to give our best response. We, we'd rather say response than answer, although we might say answer today too. Uh, more because even with some of these questions, I know over the years we've changed our views or maybe not changed our views, but we've elaborated on our views at times yeah. and understood things more. I've changed my views by it, I'm sure. Yeah. And so Hopefully it will become more. Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hopefully, and so part of that is also we're just copying uh, the Bible Project guys, and that's what they do, and they're smarter and more mature than us as well. So one thing on the front, reference to calling it response, not yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, one thing on the front end here is if you have any questions at all, even during this time, if you're watching, just go ahead and comment your question. If you put it in the comments, we should be able to see it as we're going here. We might see it a little bit after because there's a bit of a delay with how the Facebook Live works. Uh, but if you just comment your question, we will try to get to it either in the moment when we can or back at the end, we'll try to get to that question. And so listen, also say this, your questions are not going to freak us out. I mean, I don't, maybe there is a question out there that would freak us out, but uh, more than likely they're not. We both are inquisitive people. We both kind of naturally have doubts at times and ask questions, maybe me more than Vince. But uh, so uh, we've heard a lot of questions. We ask a lot of questions ourselves. Yeah. We think we think even the way the Bible is made kind of causes us to not question it, but to ask questions. Sure. And I think, yeah, invites you into that. Yeah. So so yeah. So that's a little bit today. Do you have anything to add to on the front end here? That no, help? no. Please share, comment. Quotes, the whole deal. Thanks cool. for being with us. Yeah. So we got a handful of questions here. Thank you guys for those that sent your questions. Uh, the other thing is like some of these questions, what's interesting about them is they're, they take time to answer. And even the little answers we could give here and now might not be sufficient. And there might be more research that needs to be done. Yeah. Or often, I think sometimes people don't like me as a pastor because they'll come to me with a question and I'll summarize something and I'll say, no, what you really need to do is read this whole book. On this, or uh, even sometimes I'll be like, read this whole book of the Bible on this and see where you come away thinking about it. And so, uh, so sometimes big questions also take big answers. And I think our heart posture wants just the quick McDonald's or whatever answer. <laughs> yeah. Uh, to, yeah. And I, I just think some of these big questions about the world and how things work uh, don't have small answers. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So, should we just hop into it? Let's jump in. All right, yeah. so our first uh, question here, it's kind of a long one. We got asked by someone in the church this. They didn't ask, they didn't have this for this time, this question and response time, but they were just texting me and Vince this series of questions that some people in their family were asking. And here's kind of a series of questions that one family was asking together. Uh, so, they said, how is it fair that people get sentenced to an eternal punishment when they've never had the choice to choose, uh, choose God, essentially. And then another person said they, they never had a choice to choose because they didn't hear about Jesus, or if they've never heard the name of Christ, how can they be saved? And they brought up this idea of uh, the village, the jungle village or the island of people that yeah. no one has ever been to and no one got to talk to about Jesus or share the village story to. And so... Uh, kind of what this person was saying is like, hey, how is this fair? How is this right? How is this just? Uh, so I'll let you kind of, if you want to answer it, I know sure. on our notes I might have answers first, but I'll let you say some things first and I'll yeah. add to it. Yeah, it's a classic question and it's a really good question. And I think one that as Christians, right, like I think like if you don't wrestle through this, I, I don't there's not something wrong with you. It's just at a certain level there should be this part of the compassionate reality of the Spirit of God in us that says, Hey, what about those who don't know in general, and then especially yeah. those who haven't heard? So, so I really appreciate the question, and, and really appreciate the family that uh, kind of brought this up. And there's just a handful of things I'll say. And I'll try and say it briefly. Um, and like Anthony said, please, if there's if you have other thoughts, email us and let's sit down. We can zoom together and, and talk further. But um, 
Look, when we start kind of navigating through this, uh, and I'm going to kind of take something that I know you shared, but you kind of have to start with this, this reality of what is shared in the scriptures about how God reveals himself to the world in a common way, right? That there is no, the idea that, that people have not heard or do not know um, it is not an aspect of God that's true. Like God, it's, the Bible tells us God has revealed himself uh, in multiple different ways, but specifically through creation, through nature, uh, through kind of these, these amazing ways uh, that man is culpable for their rejection of him. Mm. Now, now, I think oftentimes people's experience is like, well, no, he hasn't. But, but I think that's more a product of our rejection and our, culturals, mm. our culture's kind of pushing away of, of God trying to make himself known less, right, like that we just aren't culpable at that point. So I think you start there, and then you begin to navigate in the midst of this, and you can feel free to close us in as we go, but just trying to think through that narrative of, okay, now we, if you were to put this story into um, kind of the situation or something that's a little more accessible for us, which would be if there was a, a young man that grew up in a home where he, he wasn't taught that murder was wrong, right? He wasn't taught, at least not at any level that was influential. It's like, no, 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 like if someone harms you, you harm them. Yeah. Or, or vice versa, someone's going to, you know, impeding upon yours, you go and, and take yeah. them out. And, and the, you hear these stories. This isn't just hearsay. Um, I think even you can keep it at, like, he just wasn't taught this, so he doesn't think. Doesn't think. For whatever reason, even though that's a, a little bit unnatural, but let's say that. For yeah. the sake of the argument. Because well, he was taught yeah. the opposite of yeah. what was what I think is yeah, in yeah. our hearts to say, like, ah, this doesn't feel right. Yeah, yeah. But you're constantly told, no, this is yeah, what yeah, we should do your life. Yeah, okay. And so in the midst of that, if if that young man grows up and commits a heinous act and were to take someone's life unjustly, um, I, I think all of us would say, No, that that deserves justice. Yeah. Right? Like the courts would would enact justice, there would be a sentencing, yeah. um, and then we on, on the other end, the jury of his peers would say, no, no, like you committed uh, a harmful act, you committed murder, you committed this thing, so there has to be payment, there has yeah. to be justice for that. And so I think when we, when we begin to pull it back, I think what it ends up being is more this, oh, I don't like that potentially, I just don't like justice when it has to do with me, right? Yeah. Um, and so I think that that becomes kind of a starting issue for yeah, me. Yeah, no, I think that's a good point. I think justice is a huge thing. I think uh, we all desire, like you said, but um, don't, don't when it comes to us, or even even in the midst of these situations, we, we it's easy for us to say, we wouldn't want, so even in this scenario with the this scenario you made up, part of me goes like, oh man, it's messed up that people taught him this. I want them to receive justice too. And I, I think they probably would actually in some degree or level. But uh, but I'm also not the, the family of the person that was murdered or whatever. Like, and those, how much they would cry out for justice, so. Well, that's that, there's that, that I think it's Gustavo Gutierrez that has the, the quote talking about that. Listen, like to have this real sense of, uh, just let it go. Yeah. Or why? Why would God punish sin? That it, that in general, it's it's a it's a view from privilege. Like it's a view from what well, is generally pretty good. Yeah. But if you're on the other end of it, like what you're saying yeah. is like, no, oh, this atrocity happened to me. Or more importantly, he he's trying to speak to cultures that have been kind of dragged through the mud, like people groups that have been dragged through the mud. And from their perspective, they're like, no, no, no like. Jesus, please bring justice yeah. because I have lived underneath the weight and the oppression of the brokenness and sin of this world. And I think that's a, another, maybe I'm just jumping right into this, of just sin is far worse than anything yeah. that we we ever wanted to believe totally. it to be. And I think primarily because it, it literally like hurts and destroys other image bearers of God. Yeah. God as father and creator of humanity is... Like it's it's egregious. It's saddening. It's maddening. It's frustrating. It's it breaks his heart to see his creation harming each other. And again, like he's a bad father if he doesn't. Like if I, if I see my boys fighting, if if Finley is beating up James yeah. and I don't enact discipline upon Finley, I am yeah. not a good father. Like I'm a bad father. Yeah. And God is not just a good father. Like he is goodness and value. Yeah. So. yeah. I mean, I guess it's a little bit ironic because I think sometimes the the realm of thought goes. Uh, hell is bad and eternal punishment is bad like how could you believe in God that does that but also God not doing something right now to all the evil in the world whenever he sees it that's bad it's like well which is it there's like oh, so right, many right, aspects like, yeah, there's like, like, there. yeah there's and, and I think 
you know, I think there's some deep mysteries there as well. So I think it's okay to wrestle with that. But yeah, it's just funny that usually those things go hand in That's hand. Like, hell is bad and God should be taking care of all the evil right now. And it's like, well, wait a second. If hell is bad, then maybe he shouldn't be taking right. care of it. I don't know. And you get in view then, right? Like it's yeah. this kindness and forbearance that leads us to repentance, like even longing for the farthest enemy, yeah. the farthest away to be brought into relationship with him. But, totally. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think when people ask me this question, I think I start off, and maybe it sounds like kind of crazy, but I just kind of start off saying, being like, what does the Bible tell us about right. what happens to those people that never hear the gospel or never heard of Jesus or never heard of God? And the Bible doesn't really say a whole lot. Like, it doesn't give a definitive, there's not like a... It's not like, nearly as specific. Yeah, it's not specific. It's not like an input-output situation here right. where we can be absolutely sure that the Bible's making a claim. And and so I, I say that to say, like, when someone's like, what happens to this, you know, generation after generation of these people on this island or in this jungle place or whatever, uh, part of me goes... I, I don't know. Right. I do know that they can only be saved through Jesus. I really think that. I really think that you have to believe and have faith in Jesus right. in order to be saved. In the way, the truth, and life. No one comes yes. To I, I, so I don't, I'm not like, uh, I want to be a universalist and say like, oh, maybe it'll be okay for them or whatever. But I, like, I, I, would, I would say I don't, I don't ultimately know how that plays out. And I don't know how that plays out spiritually. I don't know how, like, I don't know if in those situations, God sends an angel to one generation <laughs> or like each yeah. time or whatever. I, yeah. I don't know. And then, but, and then the, the flip side of that is one day we're probably going to find out what happens, like in a spiritual sense in those scenarios. And I think the biggest th thing for me is I have to trust that God is good and he's just, right. that he truly is good and just. Yeah. And if God really is God, if he really is these things, which I think he is, then whatever he does at the end of the day, I'm going to think it's good and I'm going to think it's just. Yeah. Maybe not now with, my, with a mind that's warped by sin, if he revealed it to me, but when he returns and sanctifies me and his saints, I think I, I, think I will go, no, this is, this is good what you've done. This is just what you've done. And yeah. so, so again, I, I, there's a, you know, because I asked the question, let's go beyond the like village or the island or whatever it is. I, I go into like, what about babies? What about kids? Mm -hmm. What about adults with special needs? Right. What about adults with comprehension issues where they can't comprehend Jesus in the right. gospel? What happens to them? Yeah. You know, where they, they literally can't. Uh, except Christ, but at least cognitively that we not can the way tell. that we think of it. Yeah, that, not that we can right. tell, right. Right. And, uh, or measure, or something like that. And so, uh, you know, I have a hard time saying like, "Yep, hell for all," like all of those groups, you know. Yeah. But the Bible also maybe it kind of speaks to the baby situation with if you read the David, David and Bathsheba yeah. story a right. bit, there there seems to be David seems to think he's going to see that baby. That was stillborn again. Yeah, the whole age of accountability. Yeah, like right. there, there seems to be that, but but it's not explicitly spelled out, and right. and so I could just sit here and go, well, then this God's messed up, or I could go, oh, there's some mystery in the world. There's some God hasn't revealed everything to us, and what He has revealed though is He's good and He's just. So I can sit here and go, okay, whatever He does in those kinds of situations, which are heartbreaking situations for me, right, uh, to that it's good and just right. for them, and loving and gracious. Right. So well, I think I mean, when you think about Abraham's righteousness, I mean, yeah. his righteousness credited to him through his faith. Yeah. Right? Um, now, obviously, it wasn't faith in Jesus at that point. You know, it's faith in, in Yahweh. And yeah. But you, you do kind of then begin to navigate this issue that's always been about faith. Um, and so, what what did faith in Jesus look like? For the contemporaries of Christ, yeah. you know, so uh, if they, you know, if they didn't follow um, before the cross, like at what moment does it become like? Because that—that's often the thing. Well, it's like now on the other side of Jesus, mm. everyone is subject to him, right? So yeah. it's if, if it's the last two thousand years and you haven't accepted Christ, like you're out. Um, and in the essence of saying, and I do believe that, so yeah. let me be very clear, I'm not saying that's not true, yeah. but in the midst of, at what point did that like kick into gear, you know, was it right, before, like during his preaching, was it yeah. during the cross, was it post-cross, how long after the cross, did, totally. was there a buffer zone where yeah. God was yeah. like, you know what I mean, so 
I think just drawing back to that mystery piece that at the end of the day, when you get to Revelation 7 and it declares salvation belongs to our God, and that's being, what's, what's amazing is even salvation belongs to our God and to the Lamb. It's saying that that chorus is being sung, yes, by angels, but also by the, the entire horde of those who have gathered yeah. to praise God in heaven, who is every tribe, every nation, every people, and every yeah. tongue. And, and you just begin to think, okay, every tribe, nation, people, and tongue, that people from every corner of the world in every place at every time will be drawn into this moment and, and it would only make sense to me in some of the mystery that the first thing we would want to declare and what the Bible would reveal to us is salvation is yours, praise God that this wasn't this wasn't on me. Yeah. You know? So yeah. No, that's good. I, I think there's one final kind of component to this, like our heart posture in this too that I, I try to think through. And it's it's like a theological point too, but you know, when we get to the cross and we watch Jesus die, like we're rarely like, now that's unfair. Like, we rarely feel the weight of that. Like, we rarely say what Jesus put himself through was unfair. An innocent man dying for the sins of the world. One man dying for everybody's sins. Yeah. One man dying for anyone that would put faith in. Like, we, we don't say that there's an unfairness there. But there is. It is unfair. Like, there's an unfairness, like, in what Jesus... You know, even when I read the story of Abraham and Isaac, a few a number of years ago, I remember I was reading it, and I was really wrestling with the story because you have this situation where God's like, Abraham, go sacrifice your son, and there's a lot of confusing aspects of it, for sure, for me, at least, and just like, what is going on? And then Isaac doesn't end up getting sacrificed, and it's, God, what are you trying to teach us? And we, you know, it's easy for us as preachers to go like, look, this is such a picture of what Jesus is going to do for us one day, what the Father and the Son are going to do for us one day. And that's true. That's what God wants to show us. But when I read that story in Genesis, like, cut apart from that, a, a few years ago, as I was reading it, I was going, man, this is so unfair. And I really felt like the Holy Spirit being like, why don't you think this about Jesus? Like, why don't you think this is unfair for Jesus? Like, because yeah. even God, yeah. God in that moment was like, listen, like Isaac didn't die. <laughs> like, and Abraham didn't have to kill him. And, uh, but Jesus, the son, did, did die. He did actually go through with the sacrifice. He, he was the only son given away. And so, so I think that's just another aspect of this is like, at least I'm so me-centered that, my heart posture a lot of times looks at some of these kinds of questions and goes like, this is not fair. And I'm like, well, I, I can't know because of certain mysteries how fair or not fair it is yet. But I can know that Jesus himself, he purposely put himself under something that was not fair as we say that or whatever. So yeah. I, I, I don't know. That's a comfort to me. I think it's also just a redirection of my heart when, I, when I'm beginning to feel this way. So. Yeah, yeah. So, so in a nutshell, we'll wrap up that one. Just uh, again, feel free to ask more questions about it. But look, God is God is our definition for goodness. He's our definition for justice. Uh, I don't know if this is still going, but it might have been interrupted because of a phone call. All right, it should be back. I think. Uh, no, nope, we're fine. So <laughs> we can't tell on the computer always. Yeah, but anyway, so so just just knowing that aspect and knowing that Jesus. Yeah, that he, he salvation is his. Yeah. He does his thing, no, and good. we long for that. So this next question we got from um, it's kind of like a handful of questions together yeah. about a topic. Yeah, um, it was from another family here in our church that we just we love dearly. We're so thankful for the question, and it revolves around uh, Christian humanism and uh, specifically some videos that they were watching. Um, kind of Christian humanism through the lens of kind of the Franciscan order, and it was a fascinating watch. Like there yeah. was some really neat parts to that, and. Um, I don't know if we'll get into too many specifics about the video necessarily, yeah. but really kind of talking about this idea of Christian humanism from a bigger picture level, and and is it biblical? Yeah. Is it something that is Christians that we're like, no, that's that's actually who I should be, what I should think, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So um, why don't you navigate? Would you start off with just defining this for us? Yeah. So so we're all on the same page because I I know not everybody is just studying Christian humanism or even knows it's a thing until uh, maybe this moment, and so. Uh, so Christian humanism, this is kind of how I, I feel a few bullet points. And I even think I took these right from uh, gotquestions.org, which is a great website where you can plug in any question you have. And they usually have a pretty good article on very specific questions. And so um, this one helped me kind of understand Christian humanism more because I only had a small understanding before this. Uh, but 
Christian humanism represents the philosophical union between Christianity and classical humanist principles. So humanist principles um, kind of being like, uh, or humanism being like a system of thought that centers on human values, potential, worth. Uh, humanism is usually concerned with the needs and the welfare of humanity. Uh, it emphasizes the intrinsic worth of the individual, and it sees human beings as autonomous, rational, and moral agents. So, the term Christian humanism is kind of combining Christianity with some of those ideas, but even the term Christian humanism by itself, it really is a wide range of, of belief. Like, sometimes people are labeled Christian humanists, and they wouldn't even label themselves a Christian humanist. Mm. Sometimes people label themselves Christian humanists, and they are very orthodox and believe what the Bible says and all of these things pretty accurately. But sometimes people label themselves uh, Christian humanists and they add too much of this humanist thought from like the Enlightenment period and other periods uh, throughout the last few hundred years uh, and believe it more than they believe what the Bible says. Yeah. And so, so really it's hard to define Christian humanism just by itself because there's such a, a spectrum when it comes to Christian humanism. Yeah, so it's really a, a navigating, um, and it really becomes down to how much of kind of, sec so really the Christian humanism in contrast to secular humanism, um, which has found its way to replace God with reason yeah. um, and science, whereas... Every time Vince is getting a call, if it's stopping... I put it on a Do Not Disturb, which is weird. It's back, it looks like. Let me see if I can... Vince is trying to currently fix the camera uh, so that every time he gets a phone call, this isn't interrupted. So there's not an earthquake happening here in the office. It's just Vince trying to fix this. Yeah, it's on Do Not Disturb, so I don't know. Somebody can get past it. I guess so. Somebody can get past the Do Not Disturb. I think Who's honestly, calling? Should we call them out? They were 951 numbers, so that means that they are... Uh, From Cali? They're spam. Oh, spam people. Uh, there you go. Um, all right, so, so that was I think that's a pretty good definition of Christian humanism, uh, and kind of the range that it is and what it represents. Uh, how biblical would you say Christian humanism is? Yeah, uh, if, again, if we just kind of delve into the the core Christian humanistic principles, it's very biblical. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think like. The, if you were to, honestly, if you were to go and, and just kind of study it by its definition and begin to kind of look into even some of the people that would kind of be lumped into that circle from a philosophical standpoint, yeah. there would be a ton of stuff where you're like, hey, redemption says that all the time. Like, yeah, I hear yeah. that from Pastor Vince and Pastor Anthony. Yeah. This emphasis on pressing deeply into what does it mean for us to be to be like to try and be fully human? Yeah. Uh, seeing Jesus, who who is both fully God and fully man, but was for us like the truest humanity, like yeah. the biggest and best picture of what humanity was supposed to be. And so, Christian humanism is trying to push the Christian to that same reality. Like, look at the look at the person of Jesus and say, man, the, the, the beauty in the image of God, uh, the beauty in how he has given them vocation and calling and shaped them to be for their neighbor, to be present in the, um, you know, both in the civic and in the private sector, you know, like, yeah. to be present, faithful people are all real Christian humanist principles, which hopefully you've heard a ton from us, right? Like, yeah. it's, it's that... It's very Kuyperian, very Calarian, you know, yeah, like yeah. Uh, in more recent theology. And so I think there's a ton of biblical connection to it. And yeah. ultimately it does rule and find rooted itself. I think in Genesis 1, God created us uh, as human beings to flourish in this world, be about kind of this cultural mandate to serve and care and cultivate the world and culture yeah. on this earth, right? Yeah. Not, not just a holy heavenly city somewhere else, but really here and present. And then in the embodied Jesus, that yeah. Jesus came and became fully human, and in the midst of that, yeah. right, like lived a life that we could exemplify. Yeah. So. yeah, all good stuff. I, I think there are little pitfalls to Christian humanism, and there's obviously moments where I'm like, nah, that's not biblical at all. And so, but again, it's it's it depends on what brand of it you're talking to, who you're talking to, right. and how they're defining it, and and what that is. But 
when it becomes the brand of Christian humanism that really lifts up humanity and our humanness over everything, I probably, that's when I begin to go, this is where it's not biblical. This is where it's wrong, you know? Yeah, you're delving into the, sec the secular yeah. humanism. At that and I, I think what happens sometimes with Christian humanism is the pendulum swing. You know, you get uh, sometimes in some Christian circles, like, glory of God matters to the detriment of the care of humanity, right. which that's not true. Right. So they swing the other way and they go, the care of humanity and the image of God on everybody matters more right. than the like, glory of God. Right. And that's not okay either. And yeah. so, uh, and I do think there's an order to that stuff. I think glory of God is primary, but, uh, but yeah, so that's what I would say. It, it really depends. There are a lot of very biblical ideals from Christian humanism. Yeah. But as time goes on, too, and humanism becomes a stronger, like, product in our society and culture, I, I personally think it begins to dilute Christian humanism. But again, I don't know a lot of Christian humanists, so, and even... Well, I think we don't know people that would, uh, that would, that would take on that, that totally. like, label. Because right? even, for instance, John Calvin, he, he's been given that label before. Right. Even some of the Christian humanist ideals, like, flat out. He, he has espoused those without using the term Christian humanism. So we can just see this is like kind of complicated because John Calvin is usually like the beacon of like, yeah. I really believe the Bible and I'm not going to go past the Bible in any way. Mm -hmm. and, and so anyways, uh, well, let me ask you this. So the, in this family, they, they said that some Christian humanists say Jesus became human to teach us how to love Right. rather than to take care of sin. Right. How would you answer it? And then maybe I'll say how I would answer that. Yeah. And I, had to, I hadn't heard this specifically yeah. uh, that often, right? That, yeah. it's, that, that it was one kind of over the other. And that yeah. was definitely the presentation of it. It was, it was surprising to hear it that way. Um, I've, he I've heard people uh, certainly try and make a case, obviously, that the include, like what's necessary is inclusion of... You know, Jesus did come to show us a better way to love and a yeah. better way to live, which I do think is true. But I hadn't seen it too often where it was like, no, he did this and wasn't here for that. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that was almost the way it was being presented. And yeah, I think that's, that's just false. I think at one point even in the argument that was being made was, um, we, I think, I think what, what the lady had said was, the Bible doesn't tell us why Jesus came. And I was like, that's just not accurate. Yeah. Like that, the Bible is replete with why Jesus came. Yeah. Uh, like you kind of come to seek and save the law. I mean, like yeah. the scriptures are very adamant and yeah. clear. Not to, and so not just what we have in the New Testament, but every Old Testament prophecy yeah, yeah. that is about the Great I Am and the Messiah and the yeah. name that is to be proclaimed. So when Jesus takes that all on, yeah. He's saying, "I am the Savior." Yeah. Right. I have come to save. Yeah. Uh, I'm here for the sick. I mean, like so. There's. It, it felt like, and there was a part of it also that was in this video, and we are getting specifics that maybe you guys don't, but I think it will be helpful to say, where they seem to begin, uh, which wasn't stated necessarily, but you could tell, because there was these moments where uh, there were these like uh, straw men arguments that were, yeah. we don't have to start with believing in a God who's just kind of grumpy and angry, yeah. and we always have to like reconcile with and stuff like that. Um, and I'm like, no, and... I don't start there, but I disagree with what you're saying. Yeah, you know, totally. so the idea that that Christ did not come to die for the sins of the world yeah. because sin was a problem, because that was not the way he was going to rid the world of its sin problem, it's just not biblically accurate. And yeah. so that was that's the biggest problem. So, yeah, you know. no, that's, I mean, yeah, I, I definitely think when it comes to, like, that idea in general, I think we what we often do is we take parts of what Jesus is doing and we say that's more important than other parts. Or we say, well, really, actually, what we often do is we take the parts of Jesus where he's not dealing with sin uh, and he's not talking about sin, and we take everything else and we go, that's the Jesus I like. But when you read the Gospels, he's constantly talking about sin. He's constantly talking about justice for sin. He's constantly talking about those things. And so I think sometimes, yeah, someone might, in general, the Christian humanists or not, they might be like, no, Jesus came to show us how to love rather than to take care of our sin. And I would go, no, Jesus came to show us how to love and take care of our right. sins. Like, you know? right. And then also I do, again, I think when you look at how God wants to make his name known, 
And that seems to be a big part of what he's doing in the Exodus story and a big part of what he's doing throughout the Bible and how often you'll just see the phrase for God's glory is why this happened or God did something. I think, man, you know, the main reason Jesus came was for God's glory, you know? And sure, then right. all these other things right. attribute to his glory. Right, that's good. And uh, I think, yeah, so anyways, I think sometimes we just, we, we just are so disordered. We take the things we like or we take... Yeah, we just take the things we like, we delete all the things we don't like, and we convince ourselves those aren't that's not really what he's saying, but I don't Well, I mean if you go yeah. if you go back to Genesis chapter three, right, the the proto Evangelion, right, yeah. the first gospel yeah. moment, is when God says to the serpent, like, hey, her her seed, like right, her offspring is going to crush your head. Yeah. Right? That's not a love passage, right? It's 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 it, like the first moment where it, again the proto you and Galilee on like this first gospel moment that we see in scripture is God telling Satan, look, my offspring is going to come and destroy your evil. Yeah. Like he's going to destroy Satan's sin and death, and he's come. Right? Yeah. And so, again, not not at, not at the expense of teaching us on love, yeah. but it but like at a primary level, that first moment yeah. is like no, 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 come to yeah. this thing. So, no, yeah. Um, all right, like a couple more quick questions. I'll, I'll kind of handle this one quick, and then we can go to the next one. Cool. But, uh, but so do, another question they asked about Christian humanism is: Does it have implications of everyone being saved eventually by God, even Satan? How could that even be true? Right. So I, I again, my understanding of Christian humanism is at its core and it's and where it started and the ideas that formed it. It wasn't a universalist type of a thing. Right. It wasn't a thing right. that said, hey, everybody's going to get saved, even Satan. It was rooted in a move back to biblical ideas that the Imago Dei matters. Yes. And how we treat the Imago Dei really matters, especially when looking at Matthew 25. It says, what Jesus says, what you do for the least of these, you do for me. Yeah. And so... Um, so yeah, I would just quickly say, no, I don't think it does. I do think that has come in. I do think that seeped yeah. in, in some people that would say they're Christian humanists because we have a hard time with this idea that some are not saved. It's just like hard for us to, pro it's, if I'm honest, it's emotionally, well, it it's emotionally hard for me. Yeah. yeah, it's emotionally hard for me. And so, uh, and then when it comes to Satan stuff, I haven't heard that. Now, obviously, maybe there is, like, maybe there are Christian humanists that think that somewhere, or a big group of them, or a lot of them. Uh, obviously, I would say that's not biblical. At least the way I read the story is he's tossed into uh, an unending pit and then oh, tossed into this will not the lake well. of fire or whatever. Yeah, whatever those two this things does mean. Not go well. are, yeah. I have no problem smart guy because that guy is the worst. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I don't know if you have anything to add to that or whatever. But, no, I mean, yeah. but it, I mean, it's just it's rooted in that, that like, again, like Jesus only came for love and not to abolish sin, yeah. and our sin problem, because because then if that's true, it's like okay, well, God, God's only He has to always be loving, yeah. which He always is, but has to always be loving in our lens of love, totally. which anytime we're trying to define love for Jesus and for God and what He's yeah. doing. It's just not going to go away. I mean, it, just seem, it does seem like our culture, the way we define love, is affection and kindness. Like, those are oh, the yeah. main... And those yeah. things are parts of They're love. parts of yeah. yeah. But they're not the whole picture. Yeah. First Corinthians 13, but I don't think First Corinthians 13 is the only way to define love. Look at what God does throughout the Bible. That's how That's we define That's love. Great. So, anyways. Um, one last, really, another quick question. With that was, is C.S. Lewis a Christian humanist? Uh, honestly, he's been labeled that by a lot of people. I don't know if I couldn't find anywhere where he labeled himself that. And then I think personally from my readings of Lewis, and although even I biblically disagree with some of his things, but even if you just take like the Chronicles of Narnia and the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, he, he's very, very biblical. And so I would say he probably would have a problem with that term, especially with what it meant in his day, the humanist aspect of it. Uh, but I could be wrong. I don't know. And so uh, he would probably just say I'm a Christian, especially since he's the author of Mere Christianity. But I don't know. When, have, did you have you heard stuff about this? Yeah, stuff? yeah, yeah okay. the first the first yeah. I heard. Yeah. So, anyways, um, let's let's just move on to the new new question. That was kind of all a bunch of questions together, and I think they're good questions. I think sometimes people come into our faith and they say, "Hey, this is what's going on in your faith," or "This is what it really is," or "Here's some new definitions for it." And, and it's important for us to look at those things and try to understand them better. Um, so here's, here's a question for you, Vince, that you can start off, uh, that somebody wrote in. They said, how do we healthily engage the world's culture while maintaining ours? 
uh, being the Christian culture, I right. guess, or our faith. Yeah. Um, yeah. So like in the world, but not of it type language, they said. Yeah, cla- I mean, classic question, right? About like, what does it mean to be in the world, not of the yeah, world? Yeah. And, um, you, you know, it's pretty much just get your not of this world sticker, put it on the back of your car and just drive around. Nice, dude. And, Do they still sell and, those? I don't know. I mean, Comment. If you, if you got your those. witness wear on, you're always good to go. So, yeah. um, man, this is, it, it's not... I, and I don't want to say this in a in a deprecating way, but yeah. like, um, it's not it's way it's far simpler than we've made it out to be, yeah. right? Because we do it all the time, yeah. like in all sorts of other situations. In other yeah. words, when you uh, when you walk into your job, yeah. you act a certain way because yeah. that's the culture of oh, that job. Yeah. But yeah. you don't necessarily change who you are. Yeah, yeah. And you know when you are, right? Yeah. So there's people who's like, oh, with this group of people, I know I'm not me. Yeah. Like we know the bells go off when, when we're, you know what I mean? So I think almost some, some of this, and I know this person while well, that asked this is not saying there's like a cop out, but I think we can treat it that way of like, oh, I don't know how to make, keep being a Christian in the midst of a secular world that yeah, hates yeah. God. Yes, you do. Yeah, and yeah. It's, you know what I mean? But, it, but, and, but the answer is really difficult. Because the answer is 24-7-365 allegiance to the principles, ethics, and person of Jesus. Yeah. You know, which that part is really hard. Yeah. But but knowing what you should do isn't. So it's like we don't like you go to a party, awesome. Don't get drunk. You yeah. know what I mean? Like be light and love. Serve people. If you see someone being taken advantage of, step in. You know, like yeah. the the things that are just it just makes sense. And then the best advice is just read the Gospels over and over and over and over again because Jesus obviously towed this line perfectly, hanging out with sinners all the time, yet never sinning and yeah. never changing his character totally. whilst preaching the kingdom of God. But he it wasn't even that he like left his Christian bubble, his Jewish bubble rather, and then went to Simon's house. Yeah. It's he left heaven and perfect community to come be in an evil yeah. world that hated him, right? Oh. So Jesus exemplifies what this movement looks like. I do think it's far doable, and it just requires us being like, no, I am a Christian. This yeah. is who I am. These principles, they dictate my life, and yeah. I'm not going to compromise them regardless. And the last thing I want to say to it is it sure helps to have really strong, helpful, bold, uh, brothers and sisters in Christ yeah. that will consistently hold you to the ethic of the totally. kingdom that is hard to live out. Yeah. One thing, I, one thing I've been thinking about lately is uh, in the New Testament, it labels at one point these different gifts of the Spirit all throughout the New Testament. But one of the gifts of the Spirit it labels at one point is faith, faith. just this idea of faith. And, uh, I, you know, I think sometimes there are people that have this gifting of faith where it's easier for them to be in those circles, if that makes sense. Yeah. And But the, but that doesn't mean they're the only people that can be in those circles. Right. It just means that for them, it's it's easier. For them, it's easier to stand on the solid rock of Jesus. And, you know, as being a pastor, you know, we hear so many times where somebody started hanging out with the wrong crowd and then they were tempted to do all these things. And yet, like... Part of my story is I've always hung out with the wrong crowd. Like I, and that's just the people that to this day, yeah, to this day, <laughs> that's just the people that God's put a, put around me. I'm not saying I have the gift of faith, but more because of other stories of my dad discipling me well and teaching me things well. I stayed away from a lot of that stuff, and really the grace of the Holy Spirit in the midst of all that stuff. And then I also had very good, solid, anchored friends as well, and my closest friends too were believers or. Right. or or people that were very moral at times. And so, um, so yeah, I, and I, so I think the biggest answer I would give to like, how do we do this is abide in Christ, mm-hmm. like abide in him. Like whatever that mysterious verse means, it means what Christ did with the father. Go pray a lot. <laughs> like, you know, go talk to God a lot. Spend time with God a lot. Have a relationship with God. And I think the stronger that is, the easier it is to be in these types of situations yeah. that normally Christians you know, they rep, they they run from or they think you're, you know, uh, sometimes maybe I wear it as a badge of honor too much. Sometimes people might see me with a crowd of people or in a certain situation they're surprised I'm there. Not a sinful situation, right. but something that Christian culture would be like, that's not okay. 
And if they begin to go like, what McDonald's. are you doing? Yeah, you, yeah. <laughs> you're not eating local. And honestly, <laughs> just carrying a bag of McDonald's. That's <laughs> all. <laughs> That's like the chief sin. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. No, but I, I, there's part of me that goes, okay, are they correcting me correctly? Or am I uh, being called someone who associates with sinners like Jesus did? So I, I have pushed back to this question for you, though. Yeah. Thinking about, I think it's Jude, the, the book of the Bible, not my son. That's, that says something like, don't even have anything to do with the cloth soaked or like that touches it or soaked in cinnamon. I can't quite remember because I'm not. Yeah. I should probably have that memorized since it's my son's name. But um, <laughs> you should have the whole book, I think, memorized. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, it's yeah. only a chapter. I know it's not very long. If you're so, gonna do one, that'd be the one to do. Yeah. So what? So a lot of times when I'm having this conversation, that's the, right away the verse that comes back. Like, well. But what about this verse? So how would you answer that? And what do you think of that verse? Have you thought about it before? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think like the, the first lens you always need to take in understanding any scripture is, uh, well, it's probably spray, prayer and the spirit of God trusting that like he illuminates. But then yeah. after that, it's, it's really trying to get into a, a helpful understanding of scripture, interpret scripture. Yeah. So what, what could be being said there? And, and immediately I think we can push back in the, well, they're telling you to never have anything to do with sinner sinners by just again looking at Jesus yeah. and every person he called into yeah. his service. So you right? know how Paul talks about it. First yeah, five, and, and that's think, just, yeah. yeah, you know, it's just, but Jesus yeah. tends to be the lowest common denominator. Yeah, yeah. Where everybody, okay, we'll, we'll yeah. agree with you. You know, and so yeah. if, and he, if he was, if it was sinful, if yeah. it is sinful, if Jude's calling the church like, hey, you should just sin, then Jesus sinned, right? And mm. guess what? His Then his, like, death yeah. was not satisfactory. Yeah, I mean, you you run into a litany of theological yeah. problems if you take if that, that one verse, verse too far. If that yeah. one verse means like, if you do this, yeah. then, right? So I, I think I've heard a handful of like interpretations on that, even getting into some of the language of why is it a garment and, yeah, and yeah. this type of idea of saying like, it's there's a difference between engaging with it versus wearing it. Like mm. it's this thing of oh, yeah, sin yeah. kind of being draped upon you and so, and you don't remove it. Yeah, and so yeah. it's just this idea of, of being present in sin, not being present amongst sin. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's that is very different in those things. Of, is It's not that we're taking on this sin. We should have nothing to do with sin. Um, but it's not this, I can't be around someone else who's yeah. wearing the sin. And yeah. In the midst of, but we're all sinners. Yeah. So let's just be very Because like Paul yeah. says... Then how can we even live in the world when he was talking? Because that's kind of what the Corinthians it right. seems were saying. Like, hey man, you said we can't even hang out with the the world, and he was like with sinners, and he was like, yeah, guys, I yeah. met the Christian knucklehead sinners. Right. <laughs> like, I know, and that, and even when you think about Jesus, like the sin that he often went at so hard was going to be that self righteousness yeah. and stuff as well. So I, I mean, that would be my th my a couple of my thoughts on yeah, that's that good. specific Jude passage. But. All right. Well, uh, let's let's move on. I think that's a thorough answer. And I'll, I'll say to you just in, just in a moment. We've got like a, a couple. We got like one or two last little questions here. Um, if you guys have questions, just could be about theological topics, things you've been kicking around, social issues uh, as they pertain to the gospel and the Bible. Um, that's what we're here for today. And so, kind of again, question and response. So, if you are tuning in, feel free, please put down a question, and, and we'll be able to address that. We have got a, a couple more here on this. Stocks episode. to invest in if you want some tips. Dude, I gotta. I'm not gonna do that. If you could go back in time to December and invest in Zoom stock, I think it probably would be good. There's a handful of Zoom and <laughs> some of these like food deliveries I bet. But yeah. oh no, Amazon has been just oh, sure. absolutely rock. But anyway, um, okay. <laughs> I, I really wanted to ask you this one. I think it's it is a really helpful okay. question. So, um, how is a church? Can we do a better job with reaching those with mental illness individually? And as a whole, um, and including in that, not, maybe not just even the mental illness, we can start there, but then also even just thinking through the physically disabled as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I think the biggest thing is, I think with that pop, I think that population, maybe more than any other, uh, people in general, not just the church, but people in general are like afraid of or they feel inadequate, or they feel... I think that's a... Yes. Yeah, yeah. They feel like... I don't know I don't what to do. Yeah, I don't yeah. even know how to do this. Right. Uh, and then, and afraid. I think there's a lot of people that maybe they'll say, I don't know what to do, but they're really afraid. Mm -hmm. and, and and because of whatever situation, some of it's valid fears, I guess, and some of it's invalid fears, but um, I think the biggest thing is this, is relationship. So, um, 
being our community's pastor, I really do think <laughs> community is healing. I think if you have someone in community with you and in community with others that struggles with these things, although the community itself won't heal someone completely, right. I think it does actually start to course correct some things. And so, um, and uh, mental illnesses and special needs and all these things, there's a wide spectrum. So every single person is going to be different how we care for them and, and take care of them. So each individual is going to have a different, you know, this is what they do in public schools. It's called an IEP. Each kid with special needs has their own individualized right. plan right. Uh, for their education. Right. And so uh, I think as believers, not that we have to go to that extent and make a whole plan, but I think we just have to realize that there's not just one easy answer to this. It's yeah. not going to be like, well, always just, they got to be in my RC or always they got to be doing this with me or coming to church on Sundays or whatever, but I think it's going to look different depending on what the issue is. But what I do think the church is called to, and I think at least in my lifetime we've, we've dropped the ball, is having these people in our communities, in our lives, like actually having them in our lives, because I, I just think we don't care. I, I just think we, I just think at the end of the day we go, I can't do it. There's no way. And, and we're too bothered by the, the pain of it. And, the, you know, I, I have a handful of friends with these sorts of things. And the reality is, is like, <laughs> it's not easy. Yeah. But I think God dealing with me on a daily basis is <laughs> not easy either. <laughs> yeah. You know, like when we have these friends with special needs, there's different trends and stuff. I don't feel bad. I don't think this is demeaning to say, but... Sometimes they're very repetitive. The same kind of things are coming up over and over again. But I probably sound really repetitive to God. <laughs> you know, I am really repetitive. But for whatever reason, I, I have this pride in me or whatever. I fit society better, so I don't, I don't notice that about myself as much. And so, so I think the biggest thing is like, man, they need love. They need inclusion. When I was in education... Uh, there's kind of a few different realms of thought of how to help best educate kids with needs. And one of those realms of thought is this idea of inclusion. And the idea of inclusion is to those kids with special needs to bring them into the classroom as much as possible. Right. One of the schools I worked at, it was like 99% of the time, um, was how much they believed in inclusion. Mm -hmm. And what you find is not only do their classmates grow in their education, but uh, those students compared to other classrooms where it's just classrooms full of kids with special needs or just a lot of one-on-one -on -one time with teachers with special needs, they grow the most right. and they're fully included. Right. So, I mean, I think that would be my biggest thing is just how can we include them in our life? How can they be a part of our life? How can they be our brothers and sisters? How, you know, you, when you study the early church and you see all the things they did that were sacrifices, it was all for love, all in the name of love. Uh, you know, I, I think we as Christians are called to that. Maybe I'm rambling a bit, but I, I really want... Well, that's a passionate thing for you. Yeah, I, I want the church to step up in this area and be better about this and be so rooted in the love of God, be so rooted in how humble we should be, you know? Like how, how infinitesimal we are to God. We're not infinitesimal. Is that the right word? I don't know. Small and broken before God and far away from him, even on a cognitive level, and yet he still is kind and gracious and loving and listening, and yet with our friends with special needs or have these quirks or whatever, we, we often go, that's one quirk too many that I can't, <laughs> or because I've, I've hung out with him two times now and he keeps bringing this up, or he keeps, he's still doing this one thing that's not socially acceptable, or this one thing that kind of seems like sin to me. Um, and again, I, I, I think these things are tough to navigate and figure out what exactly we're supposed to do. But what we do know is we're supposed to love them through that in every way possible, not just some of the ways possible. So I guess inclusion is a short answer to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, and that's good. And I, I think um, we, there, there's a reality to this of like, and if you weren't here for the start of the question, we're just, someone had asked, um, just how, how as a church can we do a better job with caring for those with mental illness individually and as a whole and um, you know I, there's just a reality of the church for a long time like considered mental illness like a sin issue yeah. 
Yeah. And, and that's and got so maybe some small churches today. So not yeah, small, right, like right. small segments of the church. Right. Today, yeah. And that, and, and I, but, and so even where, 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 if you're in a church that wouldn't say that, there's, there's the drip of it. That's just kind of part of the culture a little bit. Um, and, and realize, and I think so. There's just an aspect of even just knowledge and education totally. that the church needs, and so getting good literature on this stuff uh, that's both secular and Christian yeah. to be able to navigate the space. And there's some great stuff I know we've been ha- had the opportunity to read over the last year or two. And so, um, and if you want any of that information, we can get that to you as well. So I think that education piece. Yeah. But then I think you just I think you're right. It's it's really just. Um, it's not simple and it's not quick, yeah. so we don't like it because yeah. we're just bred to like simple and quick totally. things. And so uh, relationships that we get to dictate and control. Yeah. So like any friendship we have, it's like no, I at any moment like I can just you know what I mean like totally. I'm in control. I can, but uh, not so much. And then the last thing I'd say to it is, and I know you agree with this wholeheartedly, is we have their their gifts, right? Like yeah. you know, just all people are gifts to one another. Yeah. And so any of our friends that we have with, uh, with needs or, or mental illness, like their God is sovereign and oh, has put the image of God on them in the midst of their mental illness. Oh, and they have so much like different things to teach us oh, to make us more whole, to make us like more able to flourish in yeah. God's world. So I think there's just that aspect and not just on the individual level, but on the corporate level. Like, yeah. like I truly, the Church of Christ, right? Uh, we would be a better church. We would be a more faithful people. Yeah. If if this was a, a greater emphasis for people uh, in our communities, I think. So totally. like they make us better. Totally. So, yeah, I think that we would experience God more. We would know Him more. We would experience the Spirit more. Like we. I just think there's so much there. Um, in my in my life, there was these youth pastors I knew at another church, and they worked with this community in a lot of ways. And one of the ways was adopting kids with those sorts of needs. And Matt, if you knew these people in the denomination uh, I was part of, everybody that comes in contact with these people are like, man, these are this this is like Jesus happening. Like this is who God is, and this is what. And so anyways, church, I mean, I mean, the call for us is to be so abiding in Christ and realizing that our righteousness is in Him, which means bravery, strength, all courage, all these things that God is and has can be in us to do this well. And so, yeah. One, one practical I'd add yeah. uh, before we go to the next question is yeah. um, just like any human being uh, in this world, like we're all different. And oh. so there's not a care and love a person with mental illness this way, like, formula. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like, you have to actually talk to a person and yeah. get to know them and spend time. And so if there's anything I encourage, obviously, we're pastors at Redemption Church Flagstaff, so for our church, church like, like run, run, not, you know, run in the yeah. sense of metaphorically, don't, like, run at people with mental illness, but, like, run to care, like, get to know these people. Yeah. You know, like, if... If there are there are friends and neighbors that that are that have mental illness and have needs, like that should be the first place you walk up to and just say hi and yeah. uh, what's your day? Uh, totally. I get to know you. You know, like and so even just letting that be kind of yeah. the first step on a practical level. Yeah. Of, uh, engage uh, really quickly so, too. Part of the question was about the physically disabled as well. Right. And I, you know, I think that's just another layer to it. I, you know, I have a friend who who has some physical stuff. He sometimes watches on here. I love him a lot. And, uh, you know, I, I, I remember one week, uh, I was going to meet with him and I was having a, a hard time empathizing with something he was going through that week. I can't even remember what it was and sorry, friend for walking for that. But I remember that week, my shoulder started to hurt and I couldn't shake this pain in my shoulder. I slept wrong or something and mm-hmm. I just could, it kind of changed. I was hunched over and like all this stuff for like two days. Yeah. And I remember being just depressed and miserable for those two days and just like to the point of like god where are you <laughs> like you know and like i'm a little dramatic and sensitive <laughs> but I, I i again the holy spirit in that time was like man could you imagine what it's like for your friend in this and i was like oh my gosh 
And and it gave me a whole new view into his world and going like, man, I am Passionate I'm an idiot. Yeah. yeah. And so yeah. cultivate those things. So especially when our friends are phys- physically disabled, try to cultivate those things. Don't hurt yourself, obviously, but just realize they're they're going through something that we normally all don't have to go through. And so even to be their hands and feet or whatever it is, as much as you can. So And there's a ton of practical things, like when it comes to how you set up a space. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Totally. Taking through uh, if we're gonna, you know, if we ever do get back to meeting live again, you know, yeah. and um, if you have a physically disabled friend that can't drive, you yeah. know, it's like, well, how do, how do they get here, totally. you know, and then come to be part of the communal place, and, and how do they come to small groups? It's like, totally. hey, that means like every week you're picking them up, you totally. know what I mean? Like, that's because that's just what it takes, and so I think there's just real practical things to get involved in, too. Totally. Yeah. All right, let me ask this question to you. Uh, do you see this season we're in, so this coronavirus, COVID-19 season, I don't know what you're supposed to say at this point, uh, <laughs> As and as we move back uh, to the physical church as an awakening revival happening or going to happen. So do you see this season, and then when the season is over and moving back into where we can meet together as an awakening and a revival? Yeah, so like that period of time between... Kind of when this like started. Right now, yeah, 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 I guess, yeah, when this started. Was that like, can, can it be a revival? You know, we don't know until the yeah, end totally, of things. Totally. Like, this is a hindsight type of deal. Totally. You know what I mean? Most like, revivals are, it seems like. Yeah, yeah, it's usually like a hundred years later. Yeah, like, look oh, back, wow, a lot of people got saved right there. That, really, that was <laughs> yeah. amazing. So, um, you know... I sure hope so. Yeah. I, but but I hope that like when we think revival, like we're not thinking like our church attendance numbers are booming. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So like, I'm, I, I feel, and I feel like that might happen. Yeah. You know, like I think there might be this, based on analytics and whatever, you know, of like maybe every church the first Sunday we can meet, yeah. it's like an Easter Sunday. You yeah. know, like everyone's there. It's really exciting, and and everyone's logging numbers. Like, oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. You know. Who cares? You know, opposite like, could just as well happen. We could be discipled in a sense by this event. Yeah, not, not in a godly way, but just we could be trained in in this event to not care about being at public events anymore, and now numbers drop. Even yeah, amongst the sites like, themselves. Yeah, but anyways. And, but what yeah. I'm saying is, regardless yeah, yeah. what happens on like an attendance yeah, figure, yeah. like I think when we start thinking through revivals, you're it's always like this boom and yeah. like numbers and. I tr- I'll tell you this, my hope is is that by the end of this, quote, end of this, when we are back meeting, yeah. I hope we're loving the poor and the hurting. Yeah. I hope we're as present in the city as we are right now. Yeah. I hope we're as concerned for our neighbor as we are now. Yeah. Uh, I hope we are checking in with those people from RC as much as we are now. Yeah. So, like, those things, like, I, I hope we're praying. Like, yeah. if there's... Like praying and getting into the Word of God, I hope we're doing those two things. That for me, that that'd be like revival. That yeah. like, please, Lord, totally. may Your like grace and mercy totally. grant us that. I, I just fear like we'll get attached to the totally. to the other stuff. You know. Yeah. Uh, I think that was a good answer. I have too much baggage around the world revivals. So yeah, I know. Yeah, I'll abstain. Charismatic you know, yeah, you're yeah, charismatic. Sure. And right. I feel like that word gets thrown around a lot, and it's kind of like, what? That's not even. I yeah, like if this. That's, uh, that's the thing. Yeah. Like, if 100 years from now people are talking about the Flagstaff revival, it's probably not something we'd be stoked on. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, right. You know, whatever. Yeah. That's not necessarily true. I mean, I I'm know. speaking in generalities in that moment, but I, I think, again, just pulling away from. The, the sense of like the church will become grand yeah, again yeah. instead of God would revitalize our hearts yeah. and minds, renew us, totally, totally. that man, we're living faithful. No, so, I agree. Yeah. Um, all right, well, let's, we only have one more question. Nobody's posted questions in here, so uh, I can only assume that uh, that you means... You know everything. You know, you know it all. So uh, here's the, here's Kayla the question. Does. Kayla does. Know she does, actually. Kayla, good to see you. See you. Um, is it is the cliche so is the cliche saying hate the sin love the sinner is that biblical <laughs> thoughts i didn't even read this one <laughs> is the i i mean i can start if you want i'll start yeah. uh I, I so here's here's my thing with this word or with this phrase yeah yeah i mean it's rooted in biblical things we obviously we're we're supposed to hate sin <laughs> and we're supposed to love sinners that's true i think one aspect of this is 
non-Christians right now, when they hear that term, they think it's incredibly demeaning for whatever reason. And sometimes there's going to be terms we use as Christians that are not demeaning, but they think are demeaning. I don't know if this is that category, because it's not out, there's not a Bible verse that says, hate the sin, love the sinner, in that dynamic, or what, did I say that wrong? I said, hate the sin, love the sinner? All right, I'm just make sure I didn't reverse it. Hate the sin, love the sinner. There's no Bible verse that says it like that, in that way, with that juxtaposition there, or whatever. Yeah. And so, I think that's important to know. Uh, I think the other thing is, you know, some wise, I've heard some wise pastors say like, hate my, hate my own sin, love the sinner. Huh, you know, I think, good. I think that's probably a better posture to have, uh, especially when I think sometimes in Christian culture, we can really disproportionately say this is really bad or this is really bad. And in, in times when we shouldn't, there may be our times where we should say that, where we aren't seeing something that for as bad as it is. But a lot of times we there's disproportionate hate towards something, and so I think this there's this is why the phrase came about was like, hey, we've disproportionately done this. So to help correct that, hate the sin but love the sinner, you know. And so I, yeah. I don't think the origins of it are bad. And even when the world, like people in the world, have read articles and blogs on it, go on this diatribe about it, I'm kind of like, man, it came from a good place. It came from a place of going like. Hey, God calls us to this stuff, and that stuff is bad, but still love that person. So, I don't know. Those are kind of my wrestles. I've heard all. I've even heard pastors yeah. kind of go like, "Don't even say that. That's not biblical at all." I don't know. I, I yeah, it's not a Bible verse. Like, <laughs> like yeah, I think that's when people ask it. That might be what they're trying to go for. Yeah. Like, where, well, on what pillow did I read that? Yeah, exactly. Or stuff like, yeah, I, I think. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it is, there's certainly biblical principles. I think I just try and pull us back. I think when you start, when you really start navigating when it started really getting used. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's when, that's where, I would say we got ourselves in trouble, but in a, in a certain sense yeah. of like, hey, well, it, there was this, there was this act that we didn't like. And yeah. so all of a sudden, like, well, how can we kind of live in this? We don't like that yeah. without actually having to move into presence and love and self-sacrifice totally. and all that stuff. So we came up with this tagline that just kind of made it easier yeah. for us. And so that's why I don't like it. Yeah. You know, because then even it's when you start saying, let's just put the cards on the table. It's associated with LGBTQ yeah. stuff. right? Absolutely. Like, And even I remember, for, I think I first started hearing this. Right after, when I was a kid, and I hate to bring this up, because if people don't know about it, I don't want them to know about it. Yeah. When I was a kid, there was this massive movement of Christians who decided to boycott Disney because Disney came out and said, hey, we hire gay people, and we're okay hiring gay people to work for us. Right. And so all these Christians said, no Disney, nothing Disney. And so out of that season, people started to say... They all have Disney Plus memberships now. Though. Yeah, they do. That's uh, <laughs> my dad. And so... <laughs> Called out, love you, Alan. Hey, um, so, but uh, and honestly, actually, since then, looking back, we've talked about that boycott before. My dad's like, yeah, I shouldn't have done that, you know. And he, he didn't know. So, anyways, so it's associated with that. I think that's why there is some vitriol around it. Yeah. It's like, why did you guys just start saying this? Yeah, like, you know. And and, and 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 even to this day, that's where it gets applied, right? Totally. Like we don't say it to like, hey, you're a greedy hoarder consumer based like you base your whole life around buying and yeah. achieve like all the other idols of our yeah. culture around like money read, and sex like practice this American Christians read Amos and <laughs> if you don't feel like God is pretty mad about how you spend your money I I read it again <laughs> like it's yeah he, he he really talks about how we use our money how we spend our money how we use our wealth and uh, it's God really hates that yeah and yet that's we're not saying that like well, you know. Yeah, I mean, we bring it up a bunch. I mean, James 4.29, right? like, he who knows the good he ought to do and yeah, doesn't yeah. do it sins. So it's like, I, look, I can, we can go to anyone and say, look, I hate that you're doing that. Yeah. And that, that thing that I hate is that you're not doing the good you know you should yeah. do. But I love you, you know, so I, it just the use of it that it's kind of been like, this is, the, this yeah. is why we came up with that. That part's a bit frustrating. But yeah, I mean, like, certainly I think it's, it's biblical. We are called to do that. I, I would prefer if we just applied it to everything, and it's more like hate sin, yeah. you know, love sinners. 
uh, instead of like the, I think the just kind of puts it into like this, like it's this specific person. Yeah, there's maybe a judgment piece that is not for us. In the sense, I think we do judge each other as saints and stuff, right. and judge what is sin. But right. there, it's almost maybe even that part of the phrase is almost doing what Jesus said when He said, "Do not judge." Maybe I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, if they mean it in a general way, sure, it's fine. But yeah, that's so I think it's the last thing I'd say to it is then like it. What was what's frustrating is the hate the sin, love the sinner. I think was was weaponized by people who were not loving the sinner by using that statement. Yeah, totally. And it's like, hey, like, gosh, that's. You're saying it, but you're not doing it right now. Like they, they hate it. It's not drawing them closer yeah. to Jesus. It's more to pacify you, and so, and that's not the way everyone's used. I think it was a good mixture. I think it was a mixture of what you're saying and a mixture of, in my experience too, growing up, it was a lot of people that genuinely wanted to love people. Uh, as yeah, well. and no, they were totally. kind of trying to be the voice of reason in a time when there was yeah. a lot of bigotry. That's true. Stuff. Yeah, it was yeah. far worse than, I mean, it was, it was definitely, it was far worse than people just said. Yeah, it's totally. But I do, I agree. I think there's, yeah. it's probably about half and half type yeah. of thing or like, or whatever, I don't know. But. Yeah. So, right. I think what you said, though, drawing us back to like, no, our, our, our you know, let's Jesus take the plank out of your own eyes. Yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, those are all the questions we got. No one wrote any in the comments. That's okay. Or at least we're not seeing them if you did. Um, thanks for joining us, guys. Thanks for listening to us. Let us know if you had questions about our responses or you're unsure about something we said. Um, but and if you have more questions, feel free to write or whatever. We I, we might do this again at some point. We'll probably maybe make this a segment once a month. Yeah, maybe once like a month. We'll be back next Tuesday for Vinji Live on Tuesday with some more updates for you, some fun segments to be with and present with you in this time. And uh, again, if you missed it yesterday, Jess, Miss Jess, our um, kids director, had her first kind of kids live stream. So for you families out there with kiddos, go and check it out. It's short, it's like seven minutes. She just read a story to the kids and shared some updates about some neat things that we're rolling out for the kiddos. So that was new this week, so I want to reiterate that to you. So uh, we love you. Thanks so much yeah. for tuning in. I'm going to walk around and turn this thing off. And Anthony will just stare at you awkwardly Peace, while I do so. God bless you, friends.